So glad you guys are here. Service is going to start at 7 in just 5 minutes. You need to use the bathroom. Now is the perfect time. If you're here, we're so glad you are. You're family to us. Don't forget, service starts in just 5 minutes.
We love to say every week that we are here to build you up, not beat you up. Yes, if you're in this room, you are family to us. Yeah. First off, for tonight, guys, we have our family time question. So everyone, stand to your feet real quick. Get to your feet. Get to your feet. And ask the people around you this. Which movie series is better, Jurassic Park or Fast and the Furious? Oh. Debate. I don't know if you know. Chaz, which option would you pick? Which one was it, Pastor Park? I'm going Jurassic Park, bro. And to you? Jurassic Park. And Chaz said Jurassic Park, too. A lot of Jurassic Park so far. A lot of Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park or Fast and Furious? It's got to be Fast and Furious. got to be Fast and Furious. Give us a specific one. Number uno. You say Jurassic Park 2, Jesse? Yes. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Jurassic Park or Fast and the Furious? What? Fast and Furious. Do you have a specific one you like, or do you just like the whole series? Oh, Even when they go to space at the very end? <laughs> Oh, 
Levi, you look passionate about your answer. What would you choose? Jurassic Park is the only right answer. The only right answer? You only get saved if you choose Jurassic Park. Grab your seat, grab your seat. Raise your hand if you said Fast and the Furious. Ooh, okay. All right, all right. a few confident hands. Now raise your hand if you chose Jurassic Park. Woo! Yeah, Men that was majority, I think. Men and women of culture. Men all right, Zay, what are we getting into next? Next up, we got Shugo Shot. You guys know he was loving it. All the things that we chose, please come to the stage right now to play the game. While they do that, Kenneth, do you want to explain how it works? Totally. If it's your first time here, every week we play a game of shoot your shot with three contestants who each get three tries to shoot one of these bouncy balls into that hoop over there guarded by Marlon and Levi. I'm about to do it left-handed. And basically all they have to do is shoot this ball with one bounce into that hoop. They get three tries to do it, and if they do it within those three tries, the winner will win $65. Just like this. What? Boing. And, okay, yeah, that was Except awful. Except you make that it, was and awful. then you win $65. <laughs> <laughs> if and no one so, makes it, it goes up by $5 next week, so that's where we're at so far. So who wants to start us off tonight? You look like you're ready. Are you ready? All right, tell them your name and then what your plan is to win. Um, I'm Jacob, and I'm playing to win. And I'm going to win because I want to win. All right, that's I love that. Jacob. <laughs> All right, Jacob, whenever you're ready. First throw. I can bounce Ooh. more than once, too. All right, here's the next ball. That's shot number one. You got the technique down. Let's see it. Oh, Levi, watch out! Levi, Levi my boy, my boy! Ooh, a <laughs> little, little more power than you got it, but it's your last shot. Yeah, get that going. Ooh. Ooh. Good attempt. Thank you, Jacob, for playing. Thank you, thank you. Give it up for Jacob. Next, I think Charlie's ready. All right, Charlie. You ready? Let's see it. Oh. Oh. Oh! That was her first shot, too! That was her first shot. That was her first shot. She still got two more. Oh, oh okay, okay. Oh, adjust, she adjust, got the power adjust. down. She had the alignment the first shot. Bring all it right, all together and you make it. $65. Charlie! Oh! Thank you so much for playing, Charlie. You, Charlie. Can we give a round of applause for Charlie? And last but not least, we have... Isaac. Isaac. Isaac, where are you going? Up, you, Isaac. Where are you going, Isaac, if you win $65? Forever 21, he said. I'm yeah. like, let's go, Isaac. He likes clothes, <laughs> don't we all? Let's see your technique. Oh, there it is. Oh. <laughs> a little ricochet shot. All right, you got two more. Don't worry about it. The first one's a little test throw. Yo. There it is. It can bounce more than oh. once. Oh. That was close. All right, last one. Let's make some noise for Isaac. Last one. Yeah. There it is. Oh. Oh. Thank you so much for playing. Our contestants today. Thank right, you all job, for playing. Job, Thank job. you all for playing. So that means next week it's going to be $70. $70. That's crazy. This is going up. No one's made it yet. Dude, all right. Let's get go quick. 
All right, y'all, we got our announcements now. So to start us off, we got our summer camp. Yeah. Woo! Real quick, raise your hand if you've been to summer camp before. Who's been to summer camp? I know there's more of you. There we go. There we go. Yeah. All you guys know it. You love it. It's super awesome. This is going to be Monday, July 25th to Thursday, July 28th. And these are going fast. We only have a few spots left, so be sure to sign up ASAP because you guys want to get a spot. You guys don't want to miss it. And next we have our kids' camp in a week and a half. If you would like to serve at Bridge Kids' Camp, please call the church office. And it's going to be Monday, June 27th to Thursday, June 30th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. So if you'd love to serve, it's tons of fun and like hundreds, almost a thousand kids go. If you'd like to get some volunteer hours and help us serve, feel free to call the church office and we'll get you plugged in. Or they can talk to Ooh. me. Yeah, I work for the kids. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you'd like to serve at the Bridge Kids Camp, talk to me tonight, and we'll get you plugged in. Next up, y'all. If you guys are only coming out on Wednesdays but not Sundays, please come to Sundays. It's an awesome time. We have uh, intimate moments in our connect groups, but then we also have a super fun time out at worship and then in the room here before we get into connect groups. So on Sundays, we got service at 11.30. That's when we all go inside to the auditorium. If you guys want to come out at 11, you guys can feel free to use all the games just hang out and have a good time. So don't forget, Sunday, 11.30. Next, we got social media. To stay up to date with everything happening at Bridge, you follow us at Instagram and TikTok at BridgeYTH underscore. See everything, like it, everything, and comment on everything, and we'll see you all on Instagram. Yeah. Thanks up, y'all. If you guys got any tithes or offerings, you guys want to give it to us right there in the back by the double doors, right where you guys came in through this building, or uh, into this room, actually. So the one right back there. Or if you guys want to give a line, just make sure to give to the uh, select youth. So then it goes to our department, and we'll put it to good use. <laughs> all right, now we got praise and worship. Go ahead, stand up. Make your way to the front and let's praise the worship. Yeah.
this plainly, there is another in the fire. See, us as Christians, if, if we claim that God is so amazing, He's part of the Red Seas, He's powerful, He's with us in every moment, He can save our souls and give us eternal life, why wouldn't we be confident when He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Right? If God is really who He says He is, and He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, why can't we trust that when our parents get a divorce? When we, we're going through a struggle, we're going through a breakup, we're going through a tough time in our lives, with anxiety. Why, why is it that we can't? And trust that God is still good. You know, uh, that's good. That's good. I like it. God is good. But, you know, in the story, when we're talking about there's nothing in the fire, it's talking about three guys who pretty much got put in a real fire for not bowing down to another God. So their situation was not good. So that we can look to that and learn that when our situation is not good, he is still good. And if our situation doesn't even get any better, God is still good. Because even if our things around us don't get better, our souls are still saved, we're going to spend eternity with Jesus, there's going to be new heaven and new earth, and everything is going to be okay despite what it looks like around us. So tonight, so tonight, whatever you are going through, whatever you brought in here, don't listen thinking, it's over, it's, it's dead. No. God is still good. God is here. God is with us. God is still speaking. Look, if, if you want to hear, hear, if you want to hear God's voice, read the Bible out loud. He's still here. He's still good. So tonight, our prayer is that you will press in, that you will evaluate what's going on around you, and evaluate who God is, weigh the two, and be pointed back to how good God is. Amen. So right now we have Lord pray for us before we go to the rest of the service. Lord. Bow your head. Dear God, we just come before you tonight and we lay everything at your feet. And we just ask that you would be in this room tonight. God, I pray for every student in this room. I pray over every student, every situation that's going on at home, God, or in their personal lives, God, that they would just let all that go and seek you, God. And that we would just be able to truly seek you in these in these moments and feel comfortable enough around us that we would just let everything go, God, and that you would be in this room. I pray that you would speak through Corey tonight, God. I pray that you would just speak to these students and that there would be no distractions, God, that there would be no confusion, God, that you would just speak right to these students, right into their hearts, God, so that their hearts would be open to receive. And God, you're so good and we're so grateful that we can be here tonight and that we have this opportunity to be in your presence. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 It's going to be a great, 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 great Great night. It's gonna be a great night. Warriors and seven. Alright, head to the back. Head back to your seats. Look at somebody next to you and say, Yeesh. Okay, enjoying summer a little too much, huh? 
getting a little tired. Hey, if you got a Bible, open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, if you have a Bible, that is in the Old Testament. It's right before 1 Kings 20, right before the book 2 Kings. So, 1 Kings chapter, did I say 19? 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Hey, I want to say welcome. Thanks to uh, everyone who just chose to spend some of your time here with us on Wednesdays. Wednesdays are our favorite night of the week. We love Wednesdays. We love getting to spend every Wednesday with you, especially those of you wearing Raiders gear. You guys are our favorites for sure. Um, Thanks so, so much for coming to hang out. Hey, whether you are right here in the room or maybe you're watching online, if you are here for the very first time, we just want to say welcome. We're so stoked that you're here. We love meeting new people. Meeting new people is one of our favorite things in the whole wide world, and we're stoked that you're here hanging out with us tonight. We like welcoming our guests every single week by saying we're here to build you up, not... Yeah, we're here to build you up, not beat you up. You don't have to believe to belong here. If you're in the room, you are family. So tonight, I want to conclude what's basically a, um, a little two-part series. It's really um, the second part of a message that I'm entitling, Holding On and Letting Go. If you're taking notes, God loves you more. I love you more. If you're not taking notes, I pray that you get an ingrown toenail. Um, Take notes in church. You'll also get a fast pass to heaven. You won't have to wait in the really long line at the the beginning of eternity to get in. You'll get a fast pass. You'll get to go straight up to the front if you take notes in church. Write that down. Holding On and Letting Go go. Um, have you guys ever heard of a guy named David Blair? That's not fair. Why? I told you about him. There's this guy named David Blair who, um, David Blair was a British, uh, mariner who was assigned to the RMS Titanic. At least he was until the very last moments before the ship launched. And he was then reassigned to a different ship. He left so quickly, his, his, his departure was so hasty, that David Blair accidentally held on to his keys to the Titanic, not like to the door, like, you know, no one was able to get on, but there are keys to an employee's locker, a kind of cabinet that's said to have held the binoculars for the guys, the crewmen, who sat in the crow's nest. If you don't know what a crow's nest is, it's the uh, spot at the front of the ship that's high up. These were the guys that watched for icebergs. And he left with the keys to the locker that held the binoculars. And it said that the guys in the crow nest, not having binoculars, having been inhibited from seeing the iceberg from further away, is one of the main contributing factors to the ultimate demise of the Titanic, something so small, binoculars, causing something so catastrophic. He held on to these keys that he should have left with the Titanic. He should have let go and left them there. Life is full of series of holding on and letting go. If you're taking notes, here's your sermon in a sentence. Where am I going is greater than how did I get here You need to realize how golden that is. This is a word from God for you tonight. Look at your neighbor. Say you. Say not me. You. Now look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, and tell him, I'm just kidding. This is for me. But it's also for you. 
Now look at the person behind you and say, it's for you too. You're talking to the back of somebody's head. You're silly. What's wrong with you? <laughs> the press espresso hits different. Never fails. Never, ever fails. We're going to pick up in our story of Elijah at a pretty low point in the story, at, at a pretty um, tough part in the story and the journey of Elijah. And we're actually going to jump around a little bit in his story tonight as well. But really quick Elijah update, bringing us up to speed to the part where we're going to pick up at. Um, Elijah was a prophet of God in the Old Testament. He went to the king, sent on mission by God, said, hey, no rain. It's not going to rain. It doesn't rain for three years. There's drought. There's famine in the land. It's a really tough time for the Israelites. The Israelites have stopped worshiping God, and they started worshiping the Phoenician rain god known as Baal. This, uh, this, this pagan worship was imported by this girl that the king Ahab had married named Jezebel. Elisha then has this huge showdown on Mount Carmel. If you were here last week, you know about that huge showdown on Mount Carmel where all the prophets of Baal pray to Baal, he doesn't answer because he's like the volleyball from Castaway. He's not going to talk to you. Um, have, who's seen Castaway? Okay, so at least some of you know what I was talking about. You guys remember that part where Wilson floats away? And it's like, I never thought I'd be so emotional over a volleyball. Wilson! But then Elisha prays to God, and God brings down fire from heaven. Elisha ends up, ooh, awkward, killing all of these hundreds of prophets of Baal. And this brings us to the point in our story where we'll pick up. Tech team, I think you have 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 to 4. I'm going to go all the way to verse 9, though. We'll see how quickly you can work back there, David. The man, the myth, the legend. All right. 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to go 1 to verse number nine. There we go. All right. Would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? Dude, my Bible's falling apart. That's how you know my life isn't. <laughs> Amen. Look at that. <laughs> like, oh, now I lost my place. Hey, preacher tip, if you use a paper Bible, always throw, always throw a little uh, paper clip where your scripture is at so you can get there quickly. Here we go. What? In the, I'm in First Samuel now. I'm on the wrong side of the paper clip, you guys. Boom, there it is. All right. We're about to read about David and Goliath. <laughs> That's a good one, too. But here we go. First uh, Kings chapter 19, verse 1. This is right after the showdown at Mount Carmel. Fires come from heaven. Elijah kills all the prophets of Baal. Now Ahab has got to go home and face the missus. <laughs> Here's, because the Mrs. Jezebel, those were her prophets. She's the one who's like, hey, we're going to worship Baal, and then brings in these pagan prophets. This is what happens, verse number one. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. She would pay close attention to that. That Elisha, this guy who just called fire from heaven and killed somewhere around either 450 or 900 prophets, was now scared of this random chick with a weird name? Okay. Elisha was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He, then he went on alone, another bad sign, throwing himself into solitude. Into the wilderness, traveling all day, he sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Boys, down bad. He's down worse than Kenobi. 
in Obi-Wan Kenobi, my guy. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. He took himself a nap. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and beside his head was some olive garden bread baked on some hot sun. Oh, dude, they started, like, limiting the amount of bread they bring to you. Bro, that was like, that was like the broke youth pastor fancy dinner night with, for me and my wife back in the day. It's like, we're going to share all-you-can-eat soup and salad, which is illegal, basically, but we're going to eat so much breadsticks. <laughs> he said, uh, some baked bread on some hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate, them, drank, uh, he ate and drank, and he laid down again. Verse 7, two more verses. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Then uh, there he came to a cave where he spent the night, our last verse, last one right here. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Look at your neighbor and say, what are you doing here? Before you sit down, let's pray. God, you're so good. Speak to us tonight. God, help the Warriors win tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't clap. I don't like the Warriors, first off. Don't clap. I'm just a Lakers fan, and the Lakers and the Celtics are rivals, and the Celtics and the Lakers have the same amount of championships, and I don't want the Celtics to have more championships than us. It is, like, by default. Um, where are all my saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost people of God who know for an absolute fact that dogs are superior to cats? Where you at? Thank you. Cats are quite possibly than mine. It is, um... Experts say that the best home security system that you can buy is the 99-cent Beware of Dog sign. I dare you cat owners to put up a Beware of Cat sign and see what it does. Ain't going to do nothing. Ain't nobody care about your cat. If a ro- if be- they're going to look at it and say, Beware of Cat. They're going to bust through your window, and that robber, when your cat comes up, it's going to go, <laughs> your cat's done. All right? That's what they probably do to my dogs, too, because my dogs are, like, this big. So, um, I once completely ignored a beware of dog sign. Instead, I listened to my friends who were telling me, hey, you should look over the wall in my backyard at the neighbor's new dog. To which I jumped up on this wall, little four-foot-nothing me in the third grade, belly on the wall, looking over. I'm like, I don't see any dog. They're like, it's over there. Like, I don't see it. They're like, it's massive. It's not a puppy. It's over there. And I'm looking and I'm looking and I don't see any dog. And then all of a sudden, I hear growling right here. I didn't see the dog because it was right under me. And then I looked down. There's a massive dog right there. The beast from the sandlot was right underneath me. He jumps up off the wall goes to close his jaws on my face, but because your youth pastor is somewhat of a Jedi, I snapped my head back, but as his jaws, boom, it caught my upper lip and basically cleft my upper lip. I then ran two miles home covered in blood. Long story short, I got like seven or eight stitches on my upper lip, all because I ignored this beware of dog sign. 
Don't ignore the beware. I don't care if it's a chihuahua. Don't ignore the sign. Learn from my mistake. I want to give you guys a beware sign as we dig into Elijah's story tonight. Here it is, point number one, three points tonight, three things out of Elijah's story. Beware of stepping out of something into nothing. Beware of stepping out of something into nothing. Let's recap a little bit of Elijah's story real quick. Elisha was from Tishba in Gilead. Then God calls him to the king's palace, and then he goes there. From the palace, God then calls him to what was called the Kareth Ravine, where he sat beside a brook, and, and birds brought him food. From the Kareth Ravine, God then called him to a place called Zarephath. And you'll learn a little bit about that place and what happened there on our next point. And then from Zarephath, God called him back to the king's palace to be like, yo, time for the showdown. Where at? God said, Mount Carmel. So then they went to Mount Carmel, so on and so forth. Basically, God was saying, Elijah, here you are. Now I'm calling you here. And Elijah stepped into it. And then God's like, now I'm calling you here. And Elijah stepped into it. See, God constantly calls us to step into things. And, and it's like Elijah, it's similar with us. I, I love this verse in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, he, being God, called you out. Somebody say out. Out of darkness and into, somebody say into but did you bob your head when you said it? Did you say into? There we go. Okay, cool. And into wonderful light. See, God calls us out of darkness and into marvelous light. He doesn't call us out of darkness and into nothing. That's just like more darkness. See, God doesn't call you out of something and into nothing. I, 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 was, I was really struggling with this because, because this is something that I've seen with a handful of young people who, who feel more called out out of something than they feel called into something. And, and so what I did is, like, the past three, four weeks, I, I've been studying, I've been digging into Scripture, trying to find a place in Scripture where God called anybody out of something and into nothing. And I could not find a single example. So you know what I did? I started asking a bunch of my pastor, preacher, leader friends. I, I've asked probably a dozen people, and not a single one of them could come up with even a single example. Rather, we can all, we can all quote the examples of all the people and all the people groups and all the times God called people out of something but into something else. Like the Israelites, who were in Egypt in slavery, and God said, I'm calling you out of Egypt. Where? To the promised land. Now, they went out of Egypt, and they went into the wilderness. There was this in-between season that God had to take them through to get them to where he was actually calling them. Now, it was about a 40-day journey from Egypt to the promised land, but they're in the wilderness for 40 years. See, the transitionary period, the in-between period from where you are and where God's calling you, in a lot of ways, it's up to you. The Israelites, they were disobedient, they were kind of dumb, and that was why they were in the wilderness for 40 years. But I don't have an issue with in-between seasons. Peter, Peter in the New Testament is on a boat in the middle of the night, in the middle of a sea, in the middle of a storm, and then Jesus calls him out of the boat, but he doesn't call him out of the boat into the water, the water that he ends up sinking in. No, no, no. Jesus says, come to me. The assignment was, you're in the boat, come over here to me. You know the closest one that, that me, myself, um, Pastor Zach, and our good friend Matt Dudley, the guy who I bounce a lot of biblical questions off of? The first one that we thought of was like, maybe God calling someone out of something into nothing? Maybe Abram? 
Abraham, later known as Abraham. See, God says, uh, I'm calling you out of the land of your fathers to a land which you do not know, but I will show you. But see, even that's a stretch because there's still a heading. There's still a place. There's still a destination, a land, but you just don't know the land. I know the land and I'll show it to you. See, I'm not, I don't have any issue with a bit of mystery. God might call you somewhere to something and there's mystery involved and you're going to have to take a step of faith. Elijah had to do that left and right. But what I have an issue with is when people go, "Uh, God's calling me out of this season, out of this ministry, out of this this, uh, uh, calling, out of this church. Which I have no problem with God moving people around on the huge chessboard of eternity that he's orchestrating. But what I have an issue with is when people go, well, I'm leaving the church. It's like, all right, why? Well, God's called me somewhere else. Awesome. Where is that somewhere else? Oh, I don't know. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? No idea. What's next? I have no clue. Now, here's what happens. We all love grand romantic gestures. We watch the movies. We, we watch the TV shows. We love the songs. Like, all of it. I get it. I'm a cheese ball of all cheese balls. I love chick flicks. I love chick flicks. I mentioned Titanic because I legitimately watched Titanic last night. It's a three-hour and four-minute movie. I was up till midnight watching this thing, all right? I love bad. That's a good chick flick. I love bad chick flicks. I liked Letters to Juliet. That movie sucks, but I loved it. My wife looked at me after that movie and goes, that movie is terrible. I was like, you have no heart. You have a heart of stone. You know, like, we love grand romantic gestures. You know, as Christians, one of the things I think we're guilty of is we love grand faith gestures. These things where it's like, I'm stepping out of this. What are you stepping into? Nothing. And here's the craziest part. This makes no sense at all. It's so wild. It's so crazy. It's so nuts. It makes no sense. And I'm stepping into nothing. And if God doesn't come through, um, my whole life is going to fall apart. I'm going to have no- nothing and no one. And I'm going to be homeless. And I might starve to death. Don't I have so much faith? And the crowd goes wild. No. Like, I get it. That sounds so, Amber hates when I use this word preaching. It sounds so sexy, doesn't it? Oh, I have to trust God so much. Like, don't I have so much faith? That's cool. Okay. All right. I'm all about having a lot of faith. Give me one example in scripture where God did that with anybody. Because I can't find the dozen pastors and preachers but I've talked to none of us could find a single example of God calling somebody out of something and into nothing. He didn't do it with Elijah. He didn't do it with anybody that I can find in Scripture. So I'm starting to think that maybe God doesn't call people out of something and into nothing. Maybe that's not faithfulness. Maybe that's foolishness. You guys remember trust falls? Yeah, you guys remember trust falls? Okay, uh, let's see. Where's one of my junior high boys? I need a junior high boy. Come on up, dude. Come on. Can you hop up on stage with your SC hat? I see you. All right. You guys remember trust falls, right? All right, turn around, man. All right, here we go. Don't look. You got to trust me. Three, two, one, go. I got you, buddy. All right. Now, now do it again. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. See, like, a trust fall is only a trust fall if there's someone behind you. And he doesn't get to see me, right? you got to look that way. A trust fall is a trust fall when there's someone behind you that you can't see and there's some mystery involved. So there's faith involved. But he knows that I'm here. And he knows that when he falls, I'm going, go ahead, go ahead, fall. I'm there to catch him, right? 
If there's no one behind you that you're trusting to catch you, that is not a trust fall. That is just falling. (laughs) If you're stepping out of something into nothing, that is not faithfulness. That's just foolishness. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. I give it up for my man. Now, why do, so why would people do that? I'll tell you why people do that. Because a lot of times people are following their own emotions, their own desires, what they want. They get bored with the church or a setting or a place, and the honeymoon phase of faith kind of wears off, and they have to be faithful, or they get hurt. The pastor says something that they don't like. They go, well, I'm called out of here. No problem. Where? I don't know. To what? No clue. Beware of stepping out of something and into nothing. Because I'm starting to think that maybe God doesn't do it. You know what faithfulness really does look like? I think it looks like being faithful to the last thing God told you to do until he shows you the next thing to do. And then you just faithfully step into that thing. That's what Elisha did. That's what we should do as well. Our next point, this is going to be a sort of detour on our little bit of a journey tonight. Point number two, write this down. Don't limit how God can bless you. How many people in the room, you believe that God wants to bless you? How many people in the room, you sincerely believe God wants to bless you? Okay, cool. If you're not raising your hand, you should be raising your hand. Can I tell you, I'm, I don't, I, I, don't get down with this foolishness that people are throwing around. It's like, yeah, being a Christian, your life will be terrible. It'll be awful. It'll be horrible. It's going to be nothing but sacrifice and horribleness all the time. I want to be a Christian. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I know. I know. I've been a Christian for a long time. It's a lot of sacrifice. But you know what it looks like? It looks like sacrifice, and then God provides, and he blesses. And then sacrifice, and then God provides, and he blesses. And then sacrifice, and then God provides, and he blesses. You know what often God does? However much you sacrifice, he ends up blessing you with a little bit more. Why? Because you've proven to him that you can be faithful with what it is that he's entrusted you with. And then you sacrifice, he says, cool, you've been faithful with a little. I'm going to trust you with a little bit more. God wants to bless you. If you don't believe that, then you might not be believing in the God in Scripture. But... In this little detour, let's look at two times that God provided and blessed Elijah. First Kings chapter 17, because we're going to bounce around a little bit. We're, we're jumping to, we just read the scripture right after Mount Carmel. Let's go to right before Mount Carmel. First uh, Kings chapter 17, verse number 2. We'll read all the way down to verse number 7. But here's verse number 2 to 4. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook, where... Uh, It enters the Jordan River. Verse 4, drink from the brook and eat what the ravens, somebody say ravens. You guys know what a raven is? It's it's a bird. It's like a a crow kind of. Not the Baltimore ravens. Nobody cares, okay? Um, The ravens. The ravens are bringing you food. I've commanded them to bring you food. That's crazy. God commanded birds to bring Elijah food. All right, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 5. This is going to take us through the journey at the Kareth Ravine. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kareth brook east of the Jordan. Verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Probably tastes like Arrowhead. Arrowhead is trash, bro. It's the worst of all bottled waters. Don't at me. It tastes like dirt and bear poop, Okay. Give me my high acidic Dasani. It's fresh. All right. He drank from the brook, verse 7. But after a while, the brook dried up. So there was no rainfall anywhere. This is crazy. Not even in my notes. See, the brook that God was using as the provision to Elijah then dried up. And you're going to see in a moment. See, mo- a lot of times when there's not provision, we'll blame it on the devil. 
oh, the devil's attacking me because I don't have all that I need. No, sometimes God starts limiting the provision and blessing in one season because he needs to project you into the next season. Not every lack comes from the devil. Sometimes it might come from God. Why? Here's why. Because then the Lord said to Elisha, go. Somebody say, go. Go and live in a village called Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow, a widow there to feed you. Ravens and a widow, birds and a broke girl. Because in this day, if you were a widow, you did not have money. And you'll see, if you go on and read, we're not going to read it for time's sake, but go on and read the, the story of when Elijah's in Zarephath. He tells this widow, hey, um, uh, could you bring me something to drink and maybe a little bit of bread? And she goes, sir, I don't have anything but a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. I was going to make a little cake, and then me and my son were going to eat that cake and die. I was like, first off, stop listening to my chemical romance. Second off, you emo girl. Um, and then God uses her to provide. for. God used what to provide? Birds and a widow. Don't limit how God can provide for you and bless you. God will use anything to provide for you and bless you. But you know one thing that you got to do? Stop blocking God's blessing. Because some of you are too proud to receive God's blessing and provision. I was out um, just a couple weeks ago. I was out with a few friends. Uh, we went golfing afterwards. We went to In-N-Out. And we're standing at the line. And, and one, of the guys is, uh, we, uh, one of the guys I was golfing with is one of our students. Um, and his dad is a great friend of mine. And, and, and we golf together all the time. And he's like, hey, guys, I got lunch today. To which I immediately was like, cool. <laughs> You don't, you don't got to offer it to me twice. And then our friend next to us says, no, no, I'm going to pay this other guy. I was like, no, no, I'm going to pay for myself. We'll pay for ourselves. I was like, speak for yourself, buddy. He's like, we're going to pay for ourselves. We're gonna pay for, I'm going to pay for myself. And he's like, no, I got it. It's no big deal, man. I want to get you lunch. He's like, no, 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 no. Pay for something. This guy, I know him, and, 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 and he's like balling on a budget, to say the least. And I just think sometimes we're too proud to allow people to bless us. Don't be too proud to allow Elisha, the man of God, not only got provision from a, some birds, the next season of his life, God said, I want you to go and get your needs met by someone who has greater needs than you. And then he does. And then what happens? That widow then becomes ultra blessed, super blessed. The little bit of oil and the little bit of, of flour that she got, it says in the scripture that it never ran out on her for the rest of the famine. So what if this, think about this, what if in you blocking God's blessing, what you're really doing is blocking the blessing of the person who was called to bless you, and because you didn't allow them to bless you, now they weren't able to walk in obedience to the Lord, and now they don't get blessed because you didn't let them bless. So what if you're blocking something, did you guys catch that? That was a lot. I know. Let me put it like this. If God calls me to bless you, and you go, no, no, I'm not going to let you do that. You can't buy my coffee, or you can't buy my lunch, or you can't buy, well, whatever. Like, you can't this. You, I'm not going to let you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to argue with you. Because if God called me to bless you, then I know this. On the other side of me blessing you is God blessing me. And I'm not going to let you get in the way of God blessing me. You don't get in the way of God blessing someone. You just with open arms say, God, if you see it fitting to bless me, then I will receive your blessing. Anybody else want the blessing of God? Because I know I do. Out of her need, the widow gave. Out of her need, the, the widow gave exactly what she needed. And out of her need, 
she was blessed. It's our instinct almost when we are in need to hoard. Can I tell you, do you need a blessing? Then be a blessing. That was our detour. My last point, band, uh, give it two, three minutes. Give it about two minutes, band, then you guys can start heading up. My last point is this. In hard times, hold on. You guys remember the Jonas Brothers song, Hold On? It's hold on. They like, it sounded so constipated in that song. It's hold on. I was like, bro, relax your vocal cords, man. <laughs> Chill out. Um, so Elisha, after the showdown at Mount Carmel, um, he, he gets in this really low place. He's scared. He's broken. He's burdened by what? By actually serving God. It was a huge weight on his shoulders. And so then he ends up uh, in this place where, where he, he's, he's fallen in this place of stress and even depression. But here's the crazy part. Even in the midst of all that, he takes all that to God. If you see in, in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, Elisha starts to pray about that stuff. And I was just thinking, maybe we are running to too many other things. When life gets tough, when life gets hard, when you're dealing with something difficult, what do you run to? For so many of us, God is our, like, God is our last resort when he should be our first response. What are we running to? Can I tell you this? Like, like, I don't know why this is the case, but have you ever noticed how is our, like, natural inclination, our instinctual response to hardship, to things going bad, to life being tough? I love what, what Kai was saying during our transition moment. It's like, when life gets tough, man, like, some, like, many of us, our parents got divorced. So many of us, through COVID, we went through hardship, financial, our families are falling apart. Maybe for some of you, you've had issues with friends. Maybe for some of you, you swore on everything that he really did with you. Dude, you were like, she loves me, I swear. And she's like, I'll never let go. Get off. And when that happens, isn't it crazy that our instinctual response is sin? Like how often, honestly, do we end up going, well, life is bad and life sucks and things are so terrible and everything's falling apart. So you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to go back to those parties. I'm just going to go do those things. I'm going to smoke it all or drink it all. Blah, blah, blah. And why do we do that? I love that Elisha runs to God through all of that. What do you run to when things get tough. In hard times, I want to encourage you to hold on. Something really interesting I wanted to point out about this moment in, in Elisha's journey is Elisha was suicidal. And how does God minister to him? With a nap and a snack. He falls asleep. Not that kind of snack. Cut it out. He falls asleep under this tree. And then an angel wakes him up and is like... Got some bread for you. And then he eats the bread. And he's like, all right, go back to sleep. He goes back to sleep. He wakes up again and he's like, got more food for you. Now go on your journey. <laughs> Can I tell you, sometimes, sometimes you need a sermon, but sometimes you need a sandwich. <laughs> sometimes, 
sometimes you need prayer. And sometimes you need a power nap. And that is literally how God ministers to Elisha. What are you saying, Corey? I'm saying, stop doing all the things that are killing you. Like, over and over and over again. It's like we, we eat trash. We sleep for half an hour. We drink 27 Red Bulls. We smoke. We drink. We party. TikTok, 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 Instagram. And then we're like, why do I feel like I'm dying? Because you're doing all the things that are killing you. I had a really good friend of mine this last Thursday as I'm having some Bible conversations with It was Matt Dudley. And, and I was asking him about the... That uh, first point we talked about, I was asking him about a handful of things that have been going through my head and my heart as a youth pastor, and uh, we started talking about mental health. And Matt Dudley said something to me that was like, whoa. He said, everyone's talking about how we have a mental health crisis in our country and in our world right now. And Matt said, we don't have a mental health crisis. We have a doing things that are horrible for our mind crisis. We're doing all this stuff that kills us. And we keep running back to it. And we keep running back to it. And we keep running back to it. And then we're asking ourselves why we find ourselves in a place like Elisha. Stop doing the things that are killing you. Not that's like, okay, go on TikTok. Just go on TikTok for like 15 minutes. Not five hours. But get rid of this other stuff that's killed. Stop embracing sin. It will ruin you. The wages of sin is death. God doesn't say that because he's like, Haha, I don't want him to have any fun. That's idiotic. God created fun. And we're over here, mm, God doesn't want me to have any fun. Okay, where else do you apply that logic? Go to Home Depot, buy a chainsaw, and then open the manual, and when it gives you the safety instructions, go, oh, Home Depot just doesn't want me to have any fun. No, they don't want you to chop your freaking arm off. So we apply the, the best possible modus on Home Depot, but the worst possible modus on God? Stop doing the things that are killing you. This part of Elisha's journey is so interesting to me. Uh, I didn't plan on, on reading it, so team, don't feel bad if you missed this, but um, verse number three of 1 Kings 19. Elisha was afraid and fled for his life. Verse number four. Elisha said, take my life. In one verse, He's scared of dying, and so he runs. And in the very next verse, he wants to die? How can you be scared of the very thing that you want? I can't help but to think that there's got to be something else a little deeper that you can't quite see on the surface here. So let's dig a little deeper. The only thing that I could think of is that every step of the way, Elisha was just listening to what God said. He's in Tishba and Gilead, and God says, go to the palace. Elisha goes, okay. He goes to the palace. Tell him it's not going to rain. It ain't going to rain. <laughs> He's like, now, go to the Kareth Ravine. Okay. He goes to the Kareth Ravine. 
The brook dries up and God goes, okay, now go to Zarephath. Okay, cool, Zarephath. God's like, okay, now it's time to go back to the king and tell him rain's going to come. Okay, so he goes back to the palace. I challenge uh, all those prophets to a duel at Mount Carmel. Now go there. Okay, he goes to Mount Carmel. After Mount Carmel, it says Jezebel was going to kill him, and so he was afraid, and God didn't tell him to go anywhere. But he fled. He ran in a direction to a place and a space and a season that God didn't tell him to go to. Isn't it amazing how far down you can fall so quickly when you start running from God, when you go in the direction that God didn't call you to go in? Isn't it amazing how low of a place Elijah got right after this dude just called fire from heaven. He said, hey God, send fire. That's my best fire impersonation. Everyone give me your best fire impersonation on three. One, two, three. That was worse than mine. Legitimately worse than mine. Elijah just called. Imagine one day you're in the backyard and the propane is out and you have no way to barbecue, but you already seasoned the chicken. And you're like, oh gosh, what am I going to do now? I can't cook it on the stove. That's so lame. God, would you send fire from heaven? Imagine fire came from heaven and perfectly roasted that chicken. You'd be like, oh my gosh. You'd be walking around like expecto patronum. Like, no, it's not working. Imagine the spiritual high that Elijah must have been on having called fire from heaven. But the next moment he's so depressed he wants to die. How is that? I think it's because Elijah was in this mode of, God, you tell me to go, I'll go. Tell me to go, I'll go. Tell me to go, I'll go. Tell me to go, I go. And then finally, just randomly, he takes a step out of God's order and the path God laid in front of him, and boom, he hits rock bottom. Why? Because someone said, because having just killed 900 prophets, some random chick with a weird name says she's going to kill him, and he's, oh my gosh, In hard times, hold on. Hold on to what? Hold on to God. Hold on to his word. Hold on to his promise. Hold on to what he said said to you. You're not going to. You're not going to fall apart. Life isn't over. There's still more on the other side. There is still hope. God's going to see you through. How do you know? I know because he said it in his word. And I'm going to believe this over my emotions and feelings every single day. In hard times, hold on. Because God doesn't honor fear moves. God honors faith moves. Which is what happened here. In hard times, hold on. Um, I sat with a guy today who, today I sat with a guy, a gentleman in the church offices, whose wife is in the hospital essentially dying. And he was in tears. And he's struggling really bad. And I said what I could to encourage him, and and God put a few things on my heart that I shared with him, and I prayed with him. But here's what what was amazing. This man, he stopped at the church because he was on his way to get gas to head to Riverside to go sit by his wife's bedside. He said, I sit by my wife eight to ten hours a day because right now she's incubated. 
and I just pray for her, and I, 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 I talk with her, and, and on my way to get gas, I looked at the church, and I said, I need to go get prayer. And he started telling me how, he said, I'm confused, I'm asking God why, I'm struggling, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. You know what? I'm downright angry. But he kept talking about how he keeps going back to God. Can I tell you tonight? Take it to God. Don't run from him. Run to him. Take your struggle to God. Take your questions to God. Take your doubt to God. Take your anxiety to God. Take your depression to God. Take that hurt to God. Take the unforgiveness to God. Take your addiction to God. He's not afraid of it. You act like he's surprised by it. You act like you're going to bring your sin to God and he's going to go, I had no idea. Take it to God. Elisha is like, I want to die. But you know who he said that to? To God. He said, God, I want to die. I'm done. And then you know what happens? Since he brought it to God, God then ministers to him and he gives him strength. He gives him what he needed in that moment. In hard times, please hear me, young person. Run to and stop going back to sin as if that's gonna help. You've already tried and you know it only hurts you more. You know it only makes matters worse. You know it's like standing in a hole thinking, I need to get out of here. Let me try to dig my way out. In hard times, hold on. As I close tonight, I'll tell you again, where am I going is greater than how did I get here. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? God, I pray for every single young person in this room who's been running from you. God, I pray in Jesus' name, they're stopping right now. To those who've been turning away, when times get tough, that in this moment they're turning to you. Those who have taken their heart back from you, God, that they're putting it back in your hands. Soften every heart in this room and every single one watching online right now in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're in the room and you would say, you know, Corey, that's me. I, I, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I've tried other things. I've ran to other things. I've walked to other things. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to stop turning to all the other things. I want to give him my life. I want forgiveness for my sins. If that's you, tonight... This is your moment. I'm going to ask you to respond in a simple way. In just a second, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to throw your hand in the air and you can put it right back down. If that's you, when I get to three, don't worry about what's happening around you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just one hand, put it right back down. Here we go. One, two, three, go. All of this place. So many hands. You put it right back down. It's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. I promise you that. What we're going to do now is we're going to pray because we begin this journey with words that we say with our mouth that we mean in our heart. But we're a family here, so we pray together. So every single person, right out loud, would you say these words right after me? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. 
thank you for receiving me. And thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Hey, if you made that decision tonight, can I tell you it's the best decision you can make with your life? It's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning, and we want to help you walk out the next week of this journey with something that we call the next seven days. It's a free gift we want to put in your hands. It's just going to be things that can answer some of the questions you might have and just help you in the first steps of this faith journey that you just begin. You can get it in a really simple way. Uh, Before you leave tonight, if you want to go on your phone right now and do this, do it. Don't miss it. Go to our Instagram, at bridge, Y-T-H underscore, and just DM us the words next seven, and we'll handle the rest. If you don't have Instagram, come find me, come find Amber, find any one of our leaders, let them know. I want the next seven days, we'll find another avenue to get you these videos. I promise you, they'll bless you, they'll help you. feel like it's our obligation to get them to you. Hey, one more time, can we just welcome people into God's family? Um, before, you, before you head up to the front um, for worship, we're going to end in worship tonight, but David Blair was the guy who held on to the keys to the locker that held the binoculars on the Titanic. There are two guys that were up in the crow's nest watching for icebergs the night that the Titanic sank. Those guys' names were Reginald Lee and Frederick Fleet. Frederick Fleet was the one who saw the iceberg first. And he was the one who hailed the bridge and said the famous words, iceberg, right ahead. Tweet later testified about the sinking. And in his testimony, he said, if we were, if we were issued binoculars, quote, we could have seen the iceberg sooner. When asked how much sooner, he said, and I quote, well, enough to get out of the way. Where am I going is greater than how did I get here. And my hope tonight is that God would give you some spiritual binoculars to see further down the road. There's one more piece of Elijah's story that I want to share with you and It was the tail end of the portion that we read where God asks Elijah this question, what are you doing here? Because Elijah, he falls asleep and wakes up and God gives him, he gives him food and something to drink and then he goes back to sleep and then he wakes up and God provides for him again and God strengthens him and renews his strength. And and then what what does Elijah do? He keeps going in the opposite direction that God told him to go when he goes to Mount Sinai. And this is what happens. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. God says this to him at Mount Sinai. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there. And the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
I believe the Lord's asking every single one of us right now, what are you doing here? Not at youth, not at church, not in this moment, but in the place of life that you're in right now. Because some of you, like Elisha, ran the opposite direction that God was calling you. And now you've wound up in this place where you're looking just a couple steps ahead of you down this road and there's nothing good out in front of you. I pray in Jesus' name that some metaphoric spiritual binoculars get thrown over your eyes that you can see way further down the road and realize what's waiting for you because some of you are on a path and a trajectory and a road where there's nothing good down that way. And I'm praying in Jesus. How do you know that, Lord? Because I was on that road. And I believe, looking down there, I, I was literally like, what if we bought binoculars for everybody at Bridge Youth? And then I went on Amazon and I looked up binoculars. It's like way too expensive. I'm sorry, you guys. So what I think maybe is happening is God might be showing some of you the direction you're going and just calling you to do what he told Elisha to do. After this moment, he said, just go back. Go back to that place that I called you. Come back home. Get back in my way. And all it is sometimes is just a little pivot. But how did God speak to Elisha? It wasn't in the earthquake or the wind or the storm or the fire it was in a gentle whisper so I'm going to ask the band to bring it way down almost to just a gentle whisper and we're going to have an almost moment of silence and we're going to sit on that question what are you doing here some of you, you might want to in this moment, you might want to turn around in your chair and posture yourself in a position of kneeling before the Lord. Some of you, you might, you might want to like Elijah did one time and, and just, it says one time Elijah, when he prayed for the rain, he just put his head between his knees in your own posture, in your own way right now for the next minute, two minutes posture yourself to hear from the Lord and sit on that question. What are you doing here? Bow your head. Close your eyes. Forget about who's around you. This is a public place but a private moment. Nobody distracting anybody. As little movement in the room as possible. Please just honor what the Lord's doing in this moment. God, speak to us. Now, Bridges. Listen for the voice of the Lord, not in the fire, not in the wind, not in the storm, not in the loudness, not in the worship, not in the preaching, not in the craziness, not in the passion, but in the gentle whisper. Speak to us.
God speaking to you right now and you need to write something down, grab your journal, grab your phone, open your notes up, start writing it down. Speak to us, God. Here we are. Listening. Stand your feet all over this place. Stand in the presence of the Lord. God, pray in Jesus' name. God, as we've sat in this moment, God, I pray that. God, that as we've, as we've heard from you, that we'd be faithful to walk out what it is that you've put on our heart, what you've spoken to us. God, as you've, have you just, as you've placed spiritual binoculars on some of us to see down the road that we're on to see God that there's destruction waiting there's there's damage waiting there's heartbreak waiting God that you're showing some of us where am I is so much better than how did I get here God I pray in Jesus name not a single person in this room would continue walking down a road that would lead them to a place where they would stand in the rubble, the destruction, and the wake of mistake after mistake after a life of sin, and ultimately in that place ask themselves, how did I get here? God, I pray for the person who's already in that place asking themselves, how did I get here? pray your grace cover them, your mercy cover them. God, I pray your forgiveness wash over them. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would restore what the enemy has stolen. And I pray not a single one of us in this room would settle for that, God, but we would want all that you have for us and we would commit ourselves to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody else thankful for the presence of God? Anybody else thankful for the blessing of God in our lives? I think the best way we could end a night like tonight, if you want to start heading down front, head down front, is to just worship him and let him know how incredibly grateful we are for him. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.
If you don't have the next step, stay faithful to the last thing that God has called you to. Just stay faithful. Stay consistent. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Because when we are in God's plan and purposes, He leads us to the things that we were called to while we were being formed in our mother's womb. Some really amazing, amazing eternal things. So don't miss what God is speaking in your life right now, Bridget. And if you made the decision to follow Christ, that is the best decision that you can make. And we are so excited here at Bridge Youth for you. Yes. And we want to walk alongside you. So if you made the decision to follow Christ, we have seven videos where Corey is just going to walk you through the next seven days, some critical moments in your life. And uh, just to kind of walk you along. And we want to connect you with the leader as well. And so just DM us next seven average youth and if you don't have instagram please find one of our team someone on the team me Corey. we will get you the next seven days and we will make sure that you have that to walk out these next seven days can we just get excited for everyone who made that decision tonight yes all right guys before we go i want to say if you do want to serve at kids camp we do have our kids camp coming up um if you want to be a part of that you can be a part of what god's doing at bridge kids and just be able to lead some of our elementary students who are going to have their camp in a couple weeks um you can also get community service hours for that so let us know if you want to get involved we'd love to make space for you to serve at kids camp um all right has it been a good night bridge you it's been a great night All right, we will see you on Sunday. Connect groups at 1130. Have a great night, Bridget.